This week, um, we meet on Wednesdays as a staff, and we, we pray early in the morning, and, uh, and then we start just sharing some things, what God's saying and doing. Um, this was a Sunday that I was scheduled to bring a message. I actually was excited about it because I'd just been down in Reading, uh, where Brenda and I and actually a couple other in our church went down to a leadership conference in Reading, and oh, it's so amazing. It's crazy what's happened through uh, that, that church family. And the movement of God. And it's amazing being in a room with 49 different countries represented. It's just like, oh, my word. You worship. You go, this is what it's going to be like in heaven. And uh, there was like 60, 70 people that traveled from Russia. Another 60, 70 from Norway. Uh, another 40, 50 from China. Everybody say China. Can you imagine what Chinese had to do to get here? Not just in what they had to pay, but just just. The things the, they had, hoops they had to jump through. And you can imagine when people travel that far and pay a price of sacrifice, just while God falls on sacrifice, the presence of God is so strong, so strong. Anyway, it was, it was an amazing time as it always is. Uh, but as we were sharing on Wednesday as a staff, uh, Marla started talking about their trip to Zambia. And I just thought, I just started crying. I just started weeping. And here's why. Is because as a vision statement as a church, about five years ago, we asked the Lord for a vision statement. Something that would empower you, release you to step into the things of the kingdom and God's purpose. And nothing that would put a ceiling on you as a people. And so our vision statement in Northgate is that we exist to see every heart healed, every family made whole, and every nation transformed by what? By the love of the Father, the love of the Father is expressed through the giving and sacrifice of His Son on the cross. Extravagant, sacrificial love of the Father. And, and this love empowers us to release a revelation on the earth that transforms people, transforms families, and transforms nations. And as I listened to Marla share the stories of the, our four ladies that went over there, I just was undone that we get to do it. Not just talk about it. But we actually get to do it. And Jesus told his disciples, which we are as followers of Christ, we are disciples. He says, as the Father sent me, so send I you. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm a sent one. Come on now, say it like you mean it. Say, I'm a sent one. Yeah, come on. Now tell the, tell, turn to your neighbor. Charity, I see you. Say, you're a sent one. You're a sent one. I want to just put a context because these four gals are going to come up and share. Their testimonies probably do more powerful than any kind of message I could preach. So we're going to hear their stories of going to Zambia and how God showed up. If you have your Bible or if it's on your electronic device, smartphone, turn to John 14 real quick. In John 14, I'm going to start with verse 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way... And the truth and the life, no one comes to the Father but through me. He goes on to say, Jesus says, If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip doesn't get it yet. Philip says to him, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. And Jesus said to him, Have I been so long with you? And yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say in you, 
I do not speak, or to you, I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding, the Father abiding in me does his works. Verse 11, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. And then verse 12, he says, truly, truly. Ever in your Bible, you see something like truly, truly, or verily, verily. What Jesus is saying is pay attention to this. This is really important. Stop and get this. Okay, this is what Jesus is saying. Truly, truly, I say to you, the pastors who believe in me, the works I do, they will do that also. Is that what it says? It doesn't. It says, he who believes in me. The works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do, because I go to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. When Marla was sharing some of the stories of what happened in Zambia, I just started crying because probably it was five years ago when I finally understood that you and I have the privilege and the responsibility, individually and corporately, to be a people who live our lives in such a way that we can say, as you've seen me, you've seen the Father. As you've seen us, you've seen the Father. And that's what happened when these four girls, went, ladies went to Zambia, is they like revealed the Father. I just, could, I want them to share. So I want you to stand up and honor Marla, Leah, Laura, Joyce. Honor them big time. Good morning. We are back from Africa. I think we're all over jet lag or getting close. It was a powerful time. We're going to have each of us share a little bit this morning. I want to tell you that this was a life-changing trip for all of us in different ways, as you'll hear. We all got stretched way outside our comfort zones, and we all experienced the faithfulness of God to meet us in those places and just to see him just do what he does. So first of all, I want to just show you where Zambia is in the continent of Africa. It's actually uh, bordered by seven or different, eight different countries, I, I believe. So that's where we were. I can say one word that describes our trip is the word hot. It was the hot season. The locals were saying, this is hotter than we even like it. There were no tourists at all, because you don't go to Zambia in October. Now we know this. It was 102 almost every day consistently. I think one day it dipped into the high 90s. And most of the time when we were ministering, we were in places intense, usually with no air conditioning. Now, because we were guests, they put a fan in front of us, which helped a little, but it just was blowing hot air. So it seemed like it was maybe better. I'm not sure it was. So for us Alaskan girls, that was actually a real challenge. It was you just wanted to be cool. I mean, 80 degrees is like my... I'm, I'm done there, right? So this was like, but it was so cool how the Lord just like helped us to, to make it through that. So enough said about the weather. It's all about people. I want to let you know that we went on a team led by our missionaries from this house, Peter and Rebecca Neuberger. They actually had their whole family there. So we got the kids with us as well. Kind of a tough time for Rebecca. She's seven months pregnant and it was 102 degrees. So really it was a challenge for her, to be honest. But Peter... 
has, they have lived in Tanzania for several years that just recently this last summer moved to Rwanda. And Peter has favor across a whole, that whole region with num- numerous denominations. He actually is pretty amazing um, the, how he gathers churches and believers together. So this was his first conference in Zambia because he had made connections because they had a conference that Dennis was at last summer in Rwanda. So Julius, our next picture here is Julius is the pastor there. He said, come to Zambia. I will gather a bunch of pastors if you come. And so that's, that's one of the things that we did when we were there. We had several events. We did this four-day conference for pastors and, and leaders we did a three-day crusade. We ministered in both Sundays. We were there at different churches. And then some people went to visit a prison. Some went to visit a hospice center. Some visited an orphanage. And some visited a blind school. So we weren't always all together. So you're going to hear some of those different things. But at the beginning, we were all at this leaders conference. And it was amazing to me to see just the, the variety, recognize the variety of different churches that were there. It was predominantly men, but there were several women there as well. Peter had on his heart, even before we went, he said, I, I want to gather a team that's skilled in inner healing. Because he's done these conferences, several different places in Tanzania, Rwanda, and he saw the need for pastors and leaders to get healed. And he said, I, 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 I want to believe for God to do that. So several of us on the team, we met several others who were uh, associated with Randy Clark, who have done this for many years as well. Our team was very seasoned. I think eight or nine of us were over 60. That's me. That's not them. They were the young ones. But there was a lot of experience. And so he came into the conference with the intention of really talking to these pastors about their hearts. And so he started off, he did the first session and and just spoke about the goodness of a father, a father who pursues you, a father who won't let you go, a father who no matter what you do, if you turn your back on him, will come and just get right in front of you again. And it was very powerful. You see these people just like leaning in, like, this is a little new for us. Second session I spoke, I spoke about sonship and about how this good father is inviting us into this relationship where we get to be in this intimate relationship with him, and, and our identity comes from being a son, from being a daughter. I talked practically about what does it look like if we live from an orphan heart mentality, and you could tell it was hitting, hitting the mark. And then at the end, I had an altar call and just had people come forward for just stepping in, taking the, taking the step to say, I... I, have a, I need a healed heart. Like I said to these pastors, you are carrying the, the pains and the wounds of so many people. And yet, let's be honest, inside of all of us, there's some broken places. And the Lord wants to heal that. Take these next four days and step in. We've got a skilled people here who are safe because a lot of these pastors do not tell other pastors their stuff because it kind of it gets spread. So he, we're offering you a safe place to meet with Jesus and deal with your stuff. And it was incredible what happened as the, as the four days went on. I had several women come up to me right after I spoke and said, I just need my heart healed. So I, was, I just said, how about we meet tomorrow? Just one-on-one. So we started doing that. The first gal I met with was Grace. She happened to be the event planner, kind of the head usher gal. She's, she's amazing. She started unpacking her life to me. And she said something that every other single person that I ended up ministering to said to me, I have never told anyone this stuff. I mean, hard stuff. So as she began to, like, forgive, 
just forgive so many people and release them from her judgment and let it go and bless them. And then recognizing lies that have entrapped her and actually hearing from Jesus the truth. I mean, it was huge. So I have a picture of her a couple days later. She became the sozo scheduler because we didn't have to have a sign-ups because Grace got free. And she knows everybody there. And she starts, like, sharing her testimony. By the second, third, and fourth day, we had several of us that would just throughout the day go back in some of the rooms. Oh, they were hot back there. And one of us, we'd minister to someone maybe for an hour, an hour and a half, and they'd leave, and then there's Grace bringing in the next person. It was absolutely incredible. A lot of men got, um, got healed as well. It was pretty amazing what God was doing there. This last guy, Kanik, um, oh, there's Leah and I got to pray with Chanza. She was a delight. Their faces actually, countenance, look different. This man came up to me right after I spoke. He came in to find me. He said, I, I just want to tell you that when you were sharing about getting your, our hearts healed, it was kind of a new th- concept for me, a new thing. But then when you encouraged us to come forward for prayer, I knew that I needed to step out right then or I would be in disobedience. So I went forward and he said, I prayed with a man on your team. And he helped me to forgive someone that I've really needed to forgive. And I feel so free. I will never be the same. That's exactly the words he told me. And so I think the last picture for my set here is just... We often, at at the end of sessions, had opportunities to minister to so many hearts. And as people felt safe, they started unzipping their hearts. And, And like, getting well is the most important thing for you right now. This is knowing who you are as as a son, as a daughter of God. And God began to really like do that in supernatural ways all throughout our our week. So amazing team! These gals are awesome. Leah, why don't you go next? So after the pastor's conference, we did a three-day crusade at night about 40, 45 minutes away in Changwei. And the first night, it's in an open soccer field, literally. And they were still building the stage when we pulled up to do the crusade the first night. So that was awesome. (laughs) But... In that crusade, there was so many physical and inner healings that happened as well. And one of my favorite stories is the gentleman that's speaking up there. And then, yeah, he's in this picture too. I partnered with him that night and we prayed for this guy. And when, we, when he walked up to us, I really felt the Lord showing me something around his throat. And sure enough, as we talked to him and kind of interviewed him, he said, yeah, he said, I was going to take my life not long before the crusade. And so we were able just to do like inner healing with him and break off word curses and break off the lies that he'd been believing. And by the time we did that, the um, sickness that he had come up for prayer for was completely gone. All his pain was gone. We got to lead him to the Lord. And he was like in, he was just a completely different person. And yeah, it was, it was amazing to see. That was a, that was a sozo. Saved, healed, and delivered. Complete sozo package. Um, And we saw 162 confirmed salvations where they filled out the response card to give to the people to follow up with them. And as the testimonies from our team kept coming in, Peter said it was probably closer to about 170 people that received the Lord as their savior during this crusade. And a lot of them were kids. Like I would probably say half of them were kids. So, 
And that's one of the kids that I just, I fell in love with during the crusade. I would watch her worship. One of the nights, actually a couple of the nights, she had a baby on her back and would just be dancing during worship. So one of my highlights was going to this orphanage. It's called Village of Hope. And it's a school and an orphanage. The day before, Peter had come to me and said, do you know ASL? They're looking for somebody who knows ASL. And I I heard that you might. I work for the school district, and I work with deaf education and with kids with hearing loss. And I'm working with them with American Sign Language. So the next day when we were there, I saw this girl with the hearing aids. And I was wondering if it was her. And she was kind of hanging back behind all the other kids. She wasn't as exuberant. And lo and behold, sure enough, when the staff pulled me aside to work with her, I got to teach her ASL and teach her how to communicate with her teachers and her aides. And then I also got to teach the teachers and the aides how to teach the ASL, how to continue facilitating that communication. Because in this culture, a lot of times kids with disabilities like that are hidden as like a shame thing. And so it was really cool for me to facilitate that and say, hey, no, kids with disabilities and with this kind of stuff, there is no shame. There's no hiddenness. And to open up the doors for that was just huge. And to be able to use my gifting was awesome. One of my personal testimonies, I've lived almost all my life with a lot of fear. And this trip for me was stomping on fear, smashing it in the face and going, you know what? I'm going to let the love of the Lord displace all the fear that I've ever had and step out into my destiny, step out into what the Lord's called me to do. And I have not danced like that, I think, probably in like 10, 15 years. And the freedom that I felt in stepping into who I'm called to be without the fear was huge. And, yeah, (laughs) so... One of the kind of side things of that was we all had name tags, and everybody's name tag said pastor, and they went to hand me mine. And Marla and another guy on our team, Mark, just started laughing. And he looked at me, and he goes, look at your name tag. And it said evangelist. And he's like, that's not an accident. You, on this trip, are stepping into things that you never thought you could be, and your heart is wide open. So. Great. My, yeah, no fear. My turn. (laughs) So I'm, I got to, um, I'm thankful that I had a variety of experiences while I was in Zambia. Um, I also got to pet a cheetah and walk it. Um, This guy was raised from an orphan. He's 39 years old and his name is Boniface. (laughs) And, uh, but the fear for me was, oh my, Peter has asked, uh, Peter Newberger, our missionary, has asked all kinds of folks to come so that they can minister inner healing in this pastor's conference, of which I have no training whatsoever. <laughs> and so I thought, where is my, where's my place? And so because there were 15 or 18 people, I just felt like, wow, you know, this is a reunion. Um, Peter knows all these folks. They were very special to him in his life. And again, you know, I felt like an outsider, um, especially if there's 18 people and there's one extra entity along in the trip, and that is named Heat. (laughs) It's like the unnamed enemy along in this trip and fear and everything was just, we just really needed to press in and make a choice to um, stand on it instead of let it 
be our identity. So yeah, so the first Sunday, Peter says to me, I'm preaching. Okay, uh I don't do that. (laughs) And um, we went to that church, and uh, I got out of the car, and the kids mobbed me. And so the pastor said, okay, so now you're preaching to the kids too. I had no, there's no preparation time, none, zero. And yet the Holy Spirit began to make a point, and this is what he was going to be doing through me, was, was focusing on him. And so with the kids, I asked the teacher, have you ever explored the prophetic with your children? And she said, no. And I said, okay, well, that's what we're going to (laughs) do. And so she trusted me, bless her heart, and taught a little bit about how he's good, what he has to say is always good, asked the kids if they knew Jesus, and okay, then let's just listen, and let's see what he has to say. And sure enough, a couple of kids came forward, came forth with, you know, these phrases. I told them it was going to be simple, it was going to be sweet, it was going to be encouraging, and not to be afraid. And the teacher was completely amazed, and at that point, I knew what I was going to be preaching on in that service, and that there's no junior Holy Spirit, and that He's going he's gonna to minister through the children as well. And that kind of is what we were seeing. What I've seen in, a, in Africa is that the kids, you know, they're, they're sort of trundled along. They're sort of entertained. They're, their potential is not really tapped into. They can hear the voice of God. If they have disabilities, they can still learn. And so, um, well, that's, that's me preaching. And, and there was a lizard that got saved on that service, too, because he came up to the altar afterward. <laughs> <laughs> but um, this is at the children's home. But I was able to meet a gal that is stepping out. She's a Zambian, and she's going to open a school for the blind. Also, prophetically, these are kids that are not seen. She's seeing them, and she's actually teaching them. She actually has to be an advocate and go into these homes and say, yes, your child is worth teaching. We can spend time with this child. It's, this person on the planet is not a waste of time. And so actually physically pulling kids into her school, it was a real joy to, to meet her and to see this school in, in, in operation. But the second Sunday, of course, then Peter surprises me again. Yeah, I'm preaching. Okay, this is fun. And Holy Spirit really wanted, he was showing me through some scriptures that he really wanted to be the focus. So I, all I had to do was stand up. As it says in Ezekiel, son of man, get to your feet. I'm going to speak to you. <laughs> and I'm just going, when I was tempted to fear, you know, I haven't got a thing to say. I'm not a preacher. He wouldn't let me fear. He says, like, just make me the focus. So I got to tell all these wonderful folks who already know God, all the names of the Holy Spirit. And then we invited him to come. And that gets really loud because it's Africa. And then you have to let it all die down. And then I have to remember my Randy Clark-isms, which I'm thankful I had some Randy Clark teaching. And I said, okay, guys, okay, so wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, All right, so anybody feel a burning in your hands, a sense of fire in your hands? From adults to children, some did. I said, okay, you over here. Who who needs healing? (laughs) Okay, you over here. All right, now put the two mobs together. So we had Africans praying for Africans. I did pray for, there was one testimony where I physically laid my hand on her leg and she was healed. But what was important to me was that they took away their own legacy. In fact, it was a kid that prayed for the one woman who her entire visage changed. I am healed. The pain I came in with is gone. And it was a kid that prayed for her. So I just, we, 
you just sort of stand in the way, like the Lord is the bulldozer, and you just get in it, and, and, and it'll all work out. <laughs> and uh, we had a lot of fun. Um, it was hot. I, it was really hot, but um, sweat, sweat, oh my gosh. But, you know, meeting people and knowing that you're in the right place and having God himself um, confirm that is, man, I mean, I'm on the go team. That's global outreach for Northgate, you guys. It's, I, I'm, I'm here, sales here, go. Um, you'll never be the same. But it's not about me. It's really about the kids we meet. Like this guy here, like after we took care of business, you know, business, he was healed. His headache left. And then I said, okay, look it, we're just going to lay hands on you. And we're going to ask God, Holy Spirit, come in and just bathe this guy in love just so you can hear it for yourself. And he just started to weep and he started to shake and he started to eff- just really effusive praise. Like I didn't have to tutor that. And he's changed. And he knows who he is because God told him. And this, this congregation where the Holy Spirit fell and they prayed for one another, God told them they could do that. I didn't have to. White lady from, from America, you know. Because the idea is, oh, these people, they're going to bring, you know, they're going to bring God. No, 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 no. He brings himself. We all just enjoy it together. It was so fun to see all these things happen and lots more. But um, I'm just going to start a couple of pictures. They'll just go through. Had lots of opportunity to minister to kids, which doesn't seem too out of the norm for me. The only caveat was there were lots of adults around at the same time, which I then have to step out and decide, uh, decide to do things. This was the church uh, Joyce and I went to a few days before I had opportunity to do some of these things. God had actually told me, hey, you should teach Zacchaeus. It's one of my favorite stories, just about Jesus coming to Zacchaeus when no one else wanted to be around him. And he knew his name, he went and ate with him, and he changed his heart. So those were, that was one story I told at this church, and then again at the crusade. This was the church Marlin I went to, super humble, amazing couple that we're still in contact with. And this is one of their daughters. The best thing about this church, this pastor is empowering not only his wife and his daughters, but his church was full of young moms, a lot of single moms, and lots of little kids, and he's absolutely giving his life for this place. And then this is a Newburger kid. I suppose you can probably tell. It's not a Zambian. Um, I had lots of opportunities to live on this one. That was a gift of sacrifice because it was super hot outside with a little fan. So I often joked that I would iron my clothes as I was sitting because it was so hot and sweaty. Um, And each of us, we all had took turns kind of mothering, fathering, grandma and grandpaing, aunt and uncleing these little girls, um, which I think is another important part when we go and do these these trips is we're supporting these missionaries and connecting with them and encouraging them. So... We had some interesting interactions at the Village of Hope with little boys who were over-exuberant to touch Noella's hair. So she and I bonded, and we walked real close together, so that wouldn't happen anymore. Um, We'll go to the next one. This is probably, um, out of just our Alaskans, I was the only one who got to go to the prison. That was a choice that I made before I left. 
And it was probably the most impactful. Probably not the most happy or bright place to go. I'd never been to prison, really. And certainly I'd never been to an African prison. So I'm going to try. This is the only picture I have because even this one is illegal for me to own. Can't take pictures. So I'm just going to tell you a little bit about what that experience was like for me. So I hope you can somewhat imagine it. So we were entered, um, entered into the prison, escorted into this huge courtyard. Um, the metal building wasn't quite as big as this. Um, if you can imagine, about 400 plus men crammed together. It's hot, it's sweaty, it's smelly. There's flies everywhere. And our little team is walking in, and there really isn't any picture of who's in charge. There are no uniformed guards, so you're really feeling very vulnerable. And it was a really, um, like you could sense it, you could feel it. Uh, no one had to tell you that this was a top of the food chain, bottom of the food chain. It was very apparent. When I came back to the hotel, I told Marla, the only word I have is animalistic. That's all I can process at this moment. That's just what it felt like. And uh, if you can imagine a man banging um, a metal bar to call these men to come to sit with us. We're there with these chaplains of, of the prison. And in the moment that we get there, we're waiting to sit. A man falls out. We still don't know whether that was from heat or that he had expired. Which was, so if you can just imagine with me for a moment, as a white American woman amongst all these men, I had to literally fight mind over matter in this place and tell myself, it's okay. God asked you to be here. You're here, he's here with you. And no matter what happens, you're safe. And then as one of our team members got up, a man uh, who was a wonderful, very smart guy, uh, we ended up loving him by the end of our trip. He actually goes into prisons, he's a psychiatrist. And so the moment he told them that and started speaking, it was like there was a, a hush or a calm over that whole group of men. And probably... That's kind of the easy part to tell you. So as I'm sitting, overcoming my own fear of this place, I hear the Lord say, look at them. And the whole time you're trying not to really make eye contact. For one, it's not actually kind in that nation. You don't make eye contact. Uh, you especially don't make eye contact with people above you. And people below you will not make eye contact with you. So depending on where you are in the hierarchy. And um, he just said, Laura, look at them. These are my sons. And for me, that's what I wanted to take to them. And um, that's what they were receiving. Fortunately for us, because we as a team said yes to that, the um, pastor we partnered with, he now has an open door. He actually, that day that we went, got a phone call saying, I'm this group of people, we have all the supplies because you have to take a donation when you go into the prison. You don't get to just show up. You have to bring something. Because these men, these women, anything they have in prison is because they brought it or their families are bringing it. So none of them even had uniforms. 
the only people uniformed were those in favor in the prison system. So we brought that soap, but that very day, he gets the phone call. We have everything ready. Anytime you want to now step into the prison and, and be a chaplain to the prison and something that Julius had wanted to do. So that was the dark side. I went from night and literal, the other side, the women's side was like daylight. It was, it was a crazy experience, but the women there were very communal. There was just a lightness and a community about them. And in that way, I, I told Marla, I'm stepping out. I'm actually gonna share something. I was able to share with them kind of the um, $20 bill sort of message where regardless of what happens, to you, you still retain your value. And it was awesome time just for our team to share with them even what forgiveness looks like and what it means to forgive someone. So super sweet time. That was probably my favorite times. I told someone the lowest points of going there, going to the humble churches, going to the prison, um, the people unseen, those were my highlights. And so as we kind of have processed, so if I could give you one thing from my trip, it would be one, the courage just in your everyday life, to step out, knowing that God's with you, and he actually will talk to you, not just about yourself, but for other people. And that happened over and over again, where he would bring prophetic words, or give me the download of these men, they're my sons, and I'm calling them back. So, wow. <laughs> so powerful. Hey, you want, to, you want to see about 20 seconds of what worship looked like? You can roll that. Worship was amazing. They kind of move a little bit in worship. Most of the worship was in their, in their native language. Then they'd pull out an American song. They did a Hillsong once, and it's like, what? What? And it's like, oh, love it. So good. We felt this really was about people. It was about people. Uh, it's about the one. And we have so many pictures of us with people. This, like, you're getting to know them. You get inside your heart. Here's a picture of Laura and Leah ministering to a lady after one of our services. I want to tell you about this next couple. This next couple is, is a raptor in our hearts. This is Bodwin and Dorcas Lupaya, they are the, he is the um, pastor of this little church plant that we went to. Laura and I were the only ones that went there that day. It's out in the boonies. We kept driving further and further in this gravel road and there's nothing and I'm going to Laura. We scored. We scored because we were scheduled to go to the big church and this other couple from our church, from our team was supposed to go to the little church, but they got us mixed up. I'm so glad because we fell in love with this couple. They have three kids. He's the same age as my daughter, Kara. I mean, and he just has such a humble heart for the Lord. And they both work full time and live with family to make it a living. He gets paid nothing as a salary, but he is pouring out his life. And this man, as we got to know him, I mean, he was raised, his mom died when he was very young. His dad died when he was 12, I believe. So he grew up kind of as an orphan mentality, but he carries the father's heart. And um, so we get to this little church, and I, Peter had told us that Zambia is an English-speaking country, so as you prepare anything you want to share, just know you, you're not going to have an interpreter, because when you have an interpreter, you only can say half as much, right? So we get to this church, and Bodwin doesn't let me know that his people don't speak English until I get up to speak, and then he stands up there beside me, and I'm thinking, okay, cool. And so I, I was speaking from Luke 15, the story of the extravagant father, and 
and I said my first line, and he, he I th- in my mind, I'm going, oh, okay, so this is, okay, half of it gone. Put my notes away, and I just told the story from my heart, and it was so impactful. It was impactful for him. Um, this, like I mentioned earlier, this, this, this concept of that God is a good father, and that he's loving, and he's kind, and he's not angry at you. He's not disappointed in you. You don't have to perform for him. In fact, he's like the prodigal son. He's looking, he's looking down the road just waiting, just waiting for you to come home. And as I'm, as I'm sharing this, um, he's getting emotionally, uh, as he's interpreting, just really impacted by that. Afterwards, the four of us went to lunch. And Laura and I were just speaking life into them and just seeing you, you're just prophesying. This is, who we, this is who we see you are. And man, we are so proud of you and we are for you. And, and then a couple of days later, he was part of the conference as well. And he came up and, and he happened to be in my prayer line. And I, I recognized him. I thought, oh, Bodwin. I said, my pastor. I just called him my pastor. And he just started weeping and I just spoke more life into him. Well, it was after lunch that day, a couple hours later, he came up. Uh, to Laura and I. He said, I have to tell you to something. I said, okay. He said, you know how you spoke, you spoke those words over me on Sunday last? You, you know how you spoke those words over me this morning? I, I realized I couldn't receive them. So I had to go away and spend some time with God just now. And here's what he told me. He showed me I have this, and he went like this, I have this mom gap. And he looks in my eyes and he said, thank you for coming. And he fell in my arms. So I got a son. I have an African son. And Laura's a mom, too. She's a much younger mom. He calls her mom, too. So super, this was the first day we were there. I, I could have come home that day and would have been successful. Um, this is where they all gathered around. None of these little kids speak English. We got to pro- prophesy over every person there from youngest to oldest. They would get in a line. We had one interpreter. They would look up their little black faces and their white elbows would look up, and the Lord would tell me what to say and Laura what to say. And it would just hit the mark. It was... It was so impactful. And this is, this is the time he told us I needed a mom. The last Sunday I was there, I was teamed up with someone else who wasn't from our team. This is what most of the churches I went to look like. They look like they're well ventilated, which, you know, it's 100. So actually it's hotter inside. So, you know, in Alaska that would be ventilated maybe. But we got there, we arrived there at 10 because we had to drive a long ways to get there. We got there a little bit late. They had been worshiping since 830. And we walked in, and they were full-on worshiping. And, and then I spoke a message there. This, this congregation was mostly young adults, like unbelievable, like young adults. Like, what is going on here? Because some of the other ones had, like, older or young, but this is, like, young adults. And so I, I told, again, this, the, the story of the, par- the particle son, and I got really honest because of who my audience was. And it got very real, and they were glued. And at the end for the call for salvation, 15 young, it was all young adults came forward. I asked the pastor later, who are those people? I mean, do they come forward every week? I would, he goes, no. There's the one that I know, and he was rededicating his life. The rest of them are just, we're just having new people coming in. And, and, we, and they got them, and they got all their contact information and began to disciple them. I mean, it's like so powerful. This is the pastor from that church. They're standing on their land, which they hope to build. So I told them about we had just poured that week our foundation and just, just blessed them. You know, I feel like what our team carried, not just our team, but our team as a whole, did carry two things that really are a mark on our house at Northgate. One is the love of the Father. It's just everything we did, it's just, just, just 
just saying, it's the, you are loved by a perfect father who is pursuing you. The whole Bible is a story from front to back of a father who is doing everything he can to get his kids back. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter where you are today, he is looking down the road and he's waiting for you. He's going to go and he's going to embrace you. He's going to kiss you. That's who he is. And it was revelatory as these people, you know, in the different places we ministered. The other piece was the inner healing piece, which I feel is a mark in this house, that we got to go and, and it kind of turned out that I ended up being the point person, not because it just, it just happened that way. Um, but then I had my grace with me who was just bringing the people, but we, we organized teams and we just did, did that. And it's like, it was just so cool to go and deposit part of what God has done in us there and to, like Joyce was saying, to, to release that to them to take. I want to show her one quick video at the end here as we, as we end. It's a little hard to hear, uh, but I want, I want you to hear it from this young leader who was in the conference. It was the first day they had, at the end of the day, does anybody have any testimony? He came up and he got a revelation that day that this father is not like this father. I don't know his story, but he talks about abuse. He talks about beatings. He talks about how I look at this father like this, how if I turn my back on my father in our culture, my father's going to turn his back against me. And he talks about the prodigal son at the end. Just listen and receive and and just celebrate, actually, what God has done in revealing himself. Um, Now we're taught about sonship and the sight of an orphan, the sight. So I began to think that um, I think we've been spoiled um, given that um, our every fathers, every time we turn our back to them, they also choose to turn their back against us. So when we come to God, we come with that mind, yep. thinking You're right. that uh, whatever I've done, yep. exactly. so God is... We will see God in the picture of our earthly fathers. Amen. We've undergone through a lot of uh, rejection from our fathers. Yeah. Undergone through a lot of our abuse, you know, beatings and all that. So even when we come to God, right. we come with that man. So thinking true. that uh, he's also a father like him. Right. You, these fathers there, fathers are also. <laughs> so I was, I really appreciate God. When he demonstrated to say, no matter what, God will come after us. Then I was shown about how the protocol son left the father's house. The son left the house, but the son never left the heart of the father. Amen. So, preach it, brother. Come on. As he went, the father was looking for him from the heart. So, when he came back, the son wanted to be made a servant and he insisted about him, the father making him a servant but the father says uh, you can never be a servant because you are always a son because we are in my heart Amen. you want to be a servant because you left the house but you are always a son because you are still in my heart and not in my house Amen. Amen. yeah the son left the house, but he couldn't leave the heart. That really sums up what, what the Lord did in so many ways. Just yesterday as we got together at my house and just figured out what we were going to share, uh, I got a, a text from uh, a young worship leader there in, in uh, Lusaka. He says this, 
Zambia already misses you people. Ah. <laughs> you really fed us well. The presence of God and, and then, for, then he capitalizes this, these letters, the presence of God and the love of the Father has now become a reality. Praise God. Praise God. It's just so, it's so, uh, like Laura said, this isn't something that you go across the world to do. This is something we do here. There's so many orphan people that need to know that there's a father pursuing them. And um, we, we want to, I'm going to have Dennis come up, but I just, I'll just do this piece here first, Dennis. As we end today, I know it's a little bit late today, but um, we, we are going to be here for, to share. I, if you would come to my line, if you want to experience and encounter the love of the Father, that's what's on me to pray for. And if you want to just step out of fear and step into the destiny that God's called you into, that's what I want to pray over you guys for. Um, anointing from the Holy Spirit surprises in your life. Just hearing God's voice and being willing to speak and pray for people. Let's go ahead and stand. Let's thank the Lord for this testimony. Can we do that? So proud of them. So proud of them. Uh, they're going to be here uh, just for prayer, for impartation. They've already given an impartation just by telling the story, but they'd like to lay hands on anybody that'd like to have more. And uh, the road ministry team will be here too if you need more breakthrough. Uh, put your hand on your heart real quickly. Yeah, God. I just want to say this quickly. You know, when you ask Jesus to be your Savior, and I'm assuming you're in this room, you probably have, but if you haven't, we'd sure love to help you do that. You know, you didn't sign a box to get in the Go to Heaven Club. You stepped into a family who want, and this father who wants to resource you with extravagant, unconditional love and power that wherever you go, you don't have to go to Zambia, like has already been said. It's here now. And so we just want to come to agreement. Father, we're your kids. Fill us up so we can pour out the revelation, the truth of the cross and the compassion of heaven that was behind the work of the cross, not counting their trespasses against them. You came to this earth to love people into relationship. God, give us targets every day to give it away. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. These ladies can be here to pray. Otherwise, thank you. Have an amazing, amazing week this week.